Are you familiar with the name Bear Grylls? About 20 years ago, there was a TV show that was started, and if you're thinking, could it really be 20 years ago? Yes, called Man vs. Wild, and uh, I think it was covered, carried on the Discovery Channel, I'm not exactly sure, but he kind of went on from there to, to have uh, a series of shows that were spin-offs from that, but I just wanted to throw a video up this morning of Bear Grylls um, and, and kind of give you an idea of who he was and what he was about. Bear Grylls is an adventurer. He's not some host in a sport coat. He's the real deal. Just look at him. He's a kid in a dirt-covered candy store. Scrambling, scrapping, neck deep. Bear doesn't show you how to stay alive. He shows you how to be alive. And that's why we love him. Man vs. Wild. New adventures begin Wednesday at 9, only on Discovery. So maybe you've watched some of those shows, Man vs. Wild, but the basic premise was what crazy circumstance could they put him in and could he survive, could he and his camera crew, could they survive in that difficult, incredibly, you know, barren circumstance? And there's all these different episodes, and maybe you've watched them at different places where they dropped him in, actually all over the globe, and where he had to somehow make it out alive. And in 19, or 2019, they, they added this clip here, uh, what I just showed there from, was a new series, it was called You vs. Wild, and where he would go through these adventures and it would break, and then they would stop and say, what should I do? And then you'd have to decide if Bear Grylls should do this or Bear Grylls should do that. And then you had to you know, hopefully made the right decision for him. And the whole idea, though, was for you to kind of explore the, the wild out there and say, could I, do I have what it takes to survive in that situation? But the simple idea is this, what does it take to survive in the wild? And I don't know, guys like that kind of get me inspired. If not inspired, they at least get me intrigued. Now, he's kind of a crazy guy. In fact, I, I grabbed his autobiography this week and just thought if I'm going to use him as an illustration, I had to read his autobiography. Really an interesting read, but the guy is completely crazy. And I would just like to say, I picked a clip up here that I thought was like presentable for everybody. Like I didn't pick the clip, the, the clip where he found this gigantic grub worm and then ate it. It was just too much. I'm telling you, just telling you right there, uh, gets you a little bit upset there. But he's one of these guys who, like, the greater the challenge, the greater the threat, the more energized and the more excited he is about trying to overcome that threat. And I think he's a great example because Bear Grylls reminds me a little bit of John the Baptist. In fact, that's how his mother described him is, is growing up, as she said, he was one part John the Baptist. And maybe I've actually got that a little bit backwards, because maybe Bear Girls doesn't remind me of John the Baptist as much as John the Baptist reminds me of Bear Girls. Because John the Baptist was the same kind of guy who actually lived out there in the wilderness, and he didn't eat grub worms, but he did eat locusts, and he lived off the land, and he just kind of did a lot of crazy stuff. He lived in a harsh environment where he, he wore weird clothes and he was probably a nomad and, and maybe he had a tent that he was living in and maybe he just slept out there underneath the stars and he was probably by, alone by himself. There probably wasn't a camera crew that was walking with John the Baptist as he lived out there in the wilderness. 
And he got some disciples later, but he probably didn't have a lot of friends growing up. And actually, we assume that his parents probably died when he was young because his parents were very old when he was actually born. And so he had lived a rugged place, or excuse me, a rugged life in a rugged place. Actually at a rugged time, and he faced some pretty rugged situations. And I would describe him as being a rugged guy. In fact, if there's a word in my mind that describes John the Baptist, it's rugged. And he was just tough. The question is this morning, does that word describe us? Does that word describe you? Does that word describe me? Because if we're completely honest, we face situations in our lives that demand and call for ruggedness from us. Do we have what it takes? And it's not whether they could take us on a helicopter and drop us off in the middle of some tropical rainforest. It's whether they can take us and drop us into the middle of 2022. Because it's kind of a wilderness out there. And we've talked a little bit about this in this series, and I don't want to belabor the point. But but even if you go back five years, it's amazing how much our world has changed, hasn't it? We're dealing with a pandemic, and we've dealt with this political polarization, and there's a war, and inflation is raging, and there's violence, and there's extremism, and we're seeing the the uptick of suicide, and we see the abuses of power, and and, um, even in the church. And I don't know that this is new stuff, but it's like it's all cascading on us right now, and you're like, I'm living in this wilderness, and if we're going to survive in this wilderness, we have to have a certain sense of ruggedness to us. But it's not just the world around us. Sometimes it's the world that's just really close to us. And we deal with our own personal wildernesses. It may be something that's going on at your job that really, it brings you more frustration or, or it brings you more stress than it actually brings you joy. And, and every morning you just have to kind of grit your teeth and off you go to your personal wilderness. Or maybe it's a situation like with, with uh, family and aging parents. And I've had several conversations recently with different people trying to deal with aging parents and, and just trying to figure that all out. And it's this, this, this hard place where it demands some ruggedness. Maybe it's financial struggles. Maybe it's health struggles. Maybe it's relationship struggles. Maybe it's a friend who is actually doing a lot of harm. Because there's a lot of trust that you had in that relationship, and that person has betrayed that trust and actually has injured you. But we all have our own personal worlds that can be a little bit crazy too. And if you're living in a situation right now where you're not dealing with some level of difficulty, maybe even all the way escalated up to crisis, you're probably rare and you're probably unique because the person sitting next to you on either side probably is dealing with those types of things. The question is, are we tough enough? Do we have enough ruggedness to us to deal with that? Because the truth is, we can't necessarily change the world that we live in. Dealing with the wilderness is not about bringing in civilization in this moment. It's not about digging a well, and it's not about you know building a Starbucks and whatever we need to survive. It's figuring out how do I deal with what I have here and drawing on what I would call inner resources. 
I mentioned that I read Vera Grill's autobiography this week. It's, it's really kind of an interesting read, but it focused a lot on his trying to join the British uh, SAS Special Forces and all of the training that, it went to, through, that he went through for that. And then when he got out of the special, or he was actually in the Special Forces, but he did a parachute jump and, he, and his chute didn't open right. And he landed on his back and broke his back in three places. And so he's discharged from, from, from the special forces and, and trying to find his way because he said my ident his identity was so wrapped up in what he had achieved in, in making the special forces. And then he decided that he wanted to climb Mount Everest. So at 23 years old, he went on an expedition up to the top of Everest. And he goes through and he has this just ferocious appetite for adventure but he's got this, this incredible sense of ruggedness, too, where he can just push through and where he can keep asking more for himself and he can keep demanding more and, keep, and, and he embraces the challenges of life. Just like John the Baptist. But what I love about John the Baptist is that it's not like climbing a mountain or, or making it through the desert. It's about how do you survive and how do you not only survive but thrive in a spiritual wilderness as well. And we can look at Bear Grylls' story for some great inspiration, and it's like 400 pages. Or you can look at John the Baptist, and that's like four chapters. And there's some incredible stories in there about how to live strong, about how to not just survive but to thrive, how to be resilient and tenacious and rough and tugged, uh, rugged spiritually. And so what I want to do this morning is look at one of his adventures and it's found in Mark chapter 6. So you turn with me to Mark chapter 6. You can use the Bible in front of you. You can look that up on the device that you have. But we're going to start reading in verse number 14. And this is an interesting passage because it's talking in the present about something that happens in the past. And so I think you'll see as we go through it how it kind of switches uh, from present to past. But let's explore this incredible adventure in the wilderness that John's facing, and the crazy thing is, I don't know that he ever really gets out of his chair for most of this adventure. But King Herod heard about this, and this would be the ministry of Jesus Christ and his disciples. And so Herod's in Jerusalem, most of Jesus' ministry is up in Galilee, but there's so much going on here in Jesus' ministry that the word's out, and it makes it back here to Herod, who is the, the political ruler, not the religious ruler, but the political ruler in uh, Jerusalem. Disciples and Jesus are doing, Mary, uh, uh, doing these um, miracles, but it says, For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. So this story is taking place after John has passed on. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So some people are saying that Jesus is actually John the Baptist come back from the dead. Others said that he's Elijah, and others claim he's a prophet, one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. And so when the word gets to Jerusalem that Jesus is doing these miracles, Herod hears it, and he chooses option A. This is obviously John the Baptist. And this is a frightening, I think, uh, moment for Herod because Herod has had John executed, and now, Herod, uh, now John's back. And so I'm sure there's actually a little bit of panic there that's going on. If not panic, there's definitely guilt that Herod is dealing with in this story. And so now, in verse number 17, we are told the story of what happened 
to John the Baptist. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. And he had him put and bound in prison. And he did this because of his of, of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so what John had done, past tense, is he had called out Herod for his immorality. And Herod and his brother's wife had had an affair, and his brother's wife had left his brother, and she had come to Herod, and they were now married, and John's like, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't right. You can't be doing this. And it ticked off Herod's new wife, Herodias, and to the point where Herod had to do something, so he grabbed John the Baptist and threw him in jail. And it says in verse number 19, Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. And so you get this idea that, that John was in prison and Herod would, would go down and visit the prison from time to time just because he liked to have conversations with this guy who called him out for his wrongdoing. That's crazy to think about, isn't it? Just tell me more about what I'm doing wrong here. Most of us don't sign up for that. But finally, verse number 21, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests, And the king said to the girl, ask me anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. And that's more a figure of speech than anything, because Herod uh, was put in place there by Rome to rule. So he had authority, but he didn't really have a kingdom. It was Rome. It wasn't Herod's. It was just basically like we would say, you know, when we go to the restaurant with somebody and we want to, you know, make sure that they they eat well, get whatever you want on the menu. That's basically what, what Herod's saying here to her is, Tell me what you want here, and you know what? No wish is going to be too great. So this girl went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother being Herodias. The head of John the Baptist was Herodias' answer. And at once the girl hurried in to the king with a request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And when you hear that request, you have to wonder if maybe John was trying to do Herod a favor in splitting him with this woman because she's nuts. But the king was greatly distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests and because of his desire to save face. He did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring in John's head. Now there's a question here on whether or not he even has this authority. There's no trial. Even Jesus got a trial. John didn't even get that much, but Herod is weak and Herod is a coward. And Herod then calls somebody else to do his dirty work. And Herod hides behind his bravado here, tries to look strong, and goes ahead and has John executed. So he won't look bad, but we look at him now in history and think, what a loser. So the man went, beheaded John in prison, and they brought back his head on a platter, and they presented it to the girl and gave it to her mother. And on hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it on a tomb. And I look at this story, and this is a story of one of the most rugged men, and it doesn't 
and well, according to our definition of well. And yet in this story, we see incredible strength. Because even though he's put in this prison, he doesn't step back and say, oh, you know what, Herod? You know, I, I've told you what I wanted to say. You know what? I'm not going to have any more to say about this. We're just going to be good to go now. You know what I think, but you know what? I won't hassle you anymore because it's really not that fun being in prison. But he never does that. And he just has this incredible strength and ruggedness. And let me just say this before we go any further. When we talk about this this morning, uh, there's like this, this image of what strength and, and ruggedness looks like in our world. And like you have to, you know, have this this um, bravado, and you have to walk around and, and strut around and be tough, and you have to wrestle bears and, and dive off cliffs, and you have to eat grubs, and, or you have to lead you know, you know, soldiers into battle, and you just, you just have to be tough and mean and strong and whatever, brute. Real strength isn't really like that. And I think in, in our world, we're like that too. You know, well, things come up and you just have to be tough and handle it and be rugged. And that's not what we're talking about here this morning. We're talking about a different kind of strength and a different kind of ruggedness that we see in John the Baptist. And so let me just mention five characteristics of ruggedness or of a rugged faith that I think that we need when we are facing the wildernesses in our stories. Because we all face them. The first thing is this. We need selflessness. The truth of the matter is that most of us are just way too much about ourselves. And it's not that we're selfish like, you know, I have to have the biggest piece. Or that, you know, I have to go first. It's the, selfless, or the selfishness that I think that most of us struggle is that we just are concerned about ourselves. And we have to look out for ourselves. And that we so quickly resort to self-preservation and self-protection. Not John. John was a guy who didn't really think about himself, evidently. In fact, we already have evidence. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about John being uh, number two in his willingness to be in that role. But he's like, you know, he must increase. I must decrease. It's not about me here. And we get that side of his selflessness where he says, I'm not even worthy to be to unfasten his sandals. That's one side of selflessness, but what we're talking about here with John is a different side of selflessness where the cause becomes bigger than we are. And where we look at something and says, okay, what needs to be done here? I don't know if this is going to be comfortable. I don't know if I'm really the best person for this. I don't really know if I have the skills for this. This might even be scary, but you know what? If this is what needs to be done, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it. If somebody needs to confront Herod, nobody's volunteering? All right. I'll do that. And we all know people like that that are pretty willing that, you know, that whatever the dirty job is that nobody wants, they're like, like this. I remember uh, even when uh, younger working with, with youth group and, and school stuff, one of the worst things ever is you go on a youth activity or you go on a, uh, uh, to play a basketball game or whatever, you always ride the bus. And when you get back to the church or the school, there's always like, okay, who wants to clean the bus? And immediately, you know, 40 kids. And there was always this one kid, Kim Evans. I'll clean it. And Kim would clean the bus every single time. But this was, this, this was John the Baptist. I'll, I'll do it. 
I'll, I'll be the one who steps in there. When I was a, a teenager myself, we went on this trip. We went spelunking down in southern Indiana, cave exploring. But, like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, we're walking through the hills, and there's, like, this hole. And somebody's like, ah, oh, there's the cave. It was just, like, a six-foot hole in the ground. And, and, the, and the leader's like, yeah, that's right. And we had to lower ourselves down into this thing. Uh, one of the weirdest experiences of my life. I'm not sure I'd do it again. But the night before, we were just sleeping in this church, and all the lights are out, and I'm like in ninth grade, and I'm just lying, and I put my hand over here, and like, there's something moving, and it's fuzzy in the dark, and I'm like, what in the world is that? And so I scream, and they turn on the lights, and it's just like humongous moth. It's like the ugliest, nastiest thing, and I've been petting it, you know? <laughs> And it's like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, we need to kill it. And, and I'm like, I'm not killing that. And I remember there's this big kid in our youth group, Mark was his name. And he was kind of the bravado, yeah, all right, you know, everything, you know, I'm tough or whatever. I'm like, here, Mark, you kill it. And he gets his shoe. And I remember he still he gets right above me. He's like, I can't kill it. Here, Mr. Renner, you kill him. But John the Baptist was the guy who was like, okay, the job nobody else wanted, he would dive in there because it was a selflessness. He wouldn't wait for somebody else to step up. He wouldn't make excuse for himself. He's like, what do we need to do? We're just going to go do this, or I'm just going to go do this. And so John was the one who was always looking to put himself second. He was putting himself second to Jesus Christ. But he was also putting himself second to the cause. He was putting himself second to what needs to happen. And if we're going to be people who are rugged in this world, it's not about being a superhero and doing the tough job so everybody can look at us and say, oh, good for you, and we can get that pat on the back. It's so that we can be willing to do what's ever necessary to advance the common good in a situation. And when we get worried about our survival, and when we get worried about our image, and when we get worried about what's comfortable to us, and when we get worried about what we had planned or what's on our agenda, or what we like, or what feels good to us, or what's you know, in our wheelhouse, and, 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 and all of those things, when we get worried about our own survival, we tend to make weak decisions. Certainly not the ruggedness that we're talking about. There's a second idea here, and that's the word righteousness. If you go to verse number 20, it says, Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. That doesn't mean he was perfect. It just means that he had a high moral standard that he lived up to. He had decided what right was, and I'm sure that decision of what right was was based on what God says right was. And it's like, whatever's right, that's what I'm going to do. And really what we're talking about there is we're talking about this idea of character, of doing the right thing, sometimes when it's the hard thing, sometimes when it's the thing that's not popular, sometimes when it's the thing that nobody else is doing, but just saying, you know what, what is it that I'm supposed to do here? I'm just going to do it in this situation. It's living with personal integrity. It's living with conviction. My dad used to say it this way. It's living, well, he would say it this, right is its own reward. You just do the right thing and you don't worry about how it turns out. Just figure out what is right and just go do it. And this is so internal. 
The wilderness is external, and the wilderness is saying, cut a corner here, or, or there's an easy path over here, or you can do this over here, and it'll work out the way that you want it to work out. And that's all the external, but, but rightness in character is this internal, where I'm going to do the thing that I am supposed to do, regardless of what anybody else is doing, regardless of whether anybody else is looking, re- regardless if it's going to turn out well or not turn out well. You just do what you're supposed to do. There's an interesting part of that, that story there. It says that Herod feared John. How do you fear the guy who's probably in shackles in a cell? It's kind of ironic, isn't it? I think he feared John, maybe because, you know, maybe John had this power, this spiritual power, this miracle power, and maybe that was, that was it, although we never see John doing a miracle. But maybe I think he was more intimidated by John because John was everything that Herod wasn't. And when John said something, that was the way it was. And when John's word was, was good, Herod, on the other hand, probably said whatever thought everybody wanted to hear. And when John made a statement, you could trust John. And when John said he was going to do something, you knew that John was, and I think that was probably intimidating to Herod. And we live in a world where the culture is like you just say whatever you need to say and you just do whatever you need to do. And you bend and shift however you need to to make sure that it works. That's not character and that's not righteousness. We've downplayed character in our world. We've replaced character and we, we cheer for talent. And we've replaced ter- uh, character and we, we cheer for personality and personality. We've taken it and we've, we've left character behind and, and we've followed position and power and we get celebrating the wrong things. And we're so influenced by celebrity in our world. Celebrities are just people who've mastered the art of drawing attention to themselves. And we're way too willing to, to do exactly that. And where we need to say, you know what, that's not right. And we need to look at people and say, you know what, what is their character? Not what is their, tel- their, their talent or what is their intelligence or any of those things, but what is their character? There's a third idea here, and it's boldness. It's the courage to do what needs to be done. Verse number 18, John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It takes a lot of guts to tell that to a guy who can put you in prison, who can kill you. But he went ahead and said it. And he took a stand and he took a risk. And when we are living in a world of confusion and a wilderness, we're going to have to do that sometimes. We're just going to have to say, this is where I stand. And, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is the right thing. And it may mean that I, I have some losses, and, and I may have to pay the price for this. But you know, the price that I pay for this and the loss that I take for this, I won't lose myself, and I won't lose my self-respect, and I won't lose God's, God's um, favor and how he looks at me. Where we just say, this is what I'm going to do. And sometimes it means for us then that we have to go a different direction. We have to swim upstream. And there may be times at work where sometimes we're like, you know what, I can't do that. That's not right. I'm not going to be a part of that. Maybe it's a conversation. You step back and it's like, yep, I'm not going to say that. And maybe somebody, you know, is, is busy criticizing or gossiping or whatever. It's like, no, I can't. I just can't do that. And where you know that that may not sit well with the people around you, but you're like, I'm going to live with boldness here. 
It's refusing sometimes to listen to the noise. It's doing what's hard. It's addressing an issue. But I will say this, boldness is a lot easier when we've addressed the issues of selflessness and righteousness. When I'm not all that concerned about what people think with me or I'm not all that concerned about how it turns out for me, and when I'm convinced of here's what's right and here's what I'm supposed to do, it makes boldness a whole lot easier. Sometimes we just have to plow forward. Sometimes we have still have to look at our fears and say, oh, well, I'm going to keep going. We're all scared. We all deal with fears. We all have our insecurities. And sometimes, what do they say? You, you just have to be brave for like 15 minutes. It's interesting, as I'm reading this book on Bear Grylls, he's climbing Everest, and they get him come to these great crevasses, and where there's like, you know, these shifting ice, um, I don't know what you call them, almost like glaciers, and in between them there's these drops of like 100, 200 feet, and they just put ladders across them, and you walk across these ladders, and in your snow things with your crampons, whatever like that, and, uh, and these things shift, so they have to go up and move them every once in a while because the ladders disappear and they have to put new ones up there. And he just talks about the rule as you go across the ladders, you don't look down. He said, you just look at the rung. You can't focus on anything else there. He said, because you're gone otherwise. But you keep going because the goal is greater than the, the danger. And, and the calling for us sometimes is, is greater than the risk. Well, there's the next point here, and you look at verse number 20, it sets us up for that. It says, when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to them. And I find that just hilarious. Do you like to have people tell you what you're doing is wrong? And yet somehow, there was this attraction that Herod had to John. And I'm going to use a word here, winsomeness. That somehow, even though John was saying things that, that Herod didn't appreciate or didn't like to hear, he was still attracted to John and to John's personality. And maybe it was his, his strength of character. And maybe it just was that, that ruggedness. But I, it's, it's, for lack of a better way to say that, it's your people skills. It's your ability to get along. It's your ability to not tick off people by the way that you handle yourself. Now, you may have set them by the way, by what you have to say or what you have to do, but you're not just going through the world just like a, a, a bull in the china shop there, just smacking into people with your rightness. And have you met people like this? That, that they're, they're just plowing over people because on their crusades of rightness, that wasn't John. And sometimes we, we say, well, the goal is not to be liked, and it's not. But the goal is also not to be rude. And sometimes we just go like on our high horses and we're just going to blast everybody with our truth and with our righteousness. And John wasn't there. John somehow attracted Herod to himself. And I like what somebody told me one time. They said, people may not disagree, or excuse me, people may disagree with what you say, but they should never disagree with the way that you say it. People may disagree with what you say, but they, may, but they should never disagree with the way that you say it. And sometimes ruggedness is having enough self-control, enough restraint, and enough respect, even for the people that we're dealing with, that we say, what is the right way to go about doing this? What's the right way to say this? How do I still treat people with courtesy and respect? And that's actually more rugged than just running people over like a steamroller. 
And somehow John was still able to engage with Herod and was able to extend grace. And we talked about grace in a different way this morning, but this is grace in, a different, in another way. It's where we extend to other people grace. I choose to treat you with kindness because that's my choice. I'm going to choose to treat you with courtesy. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to try to overpower you. And that's part of the equation here. And this is something that I love about John the Baptist, that somebody could be this rough and tumble, and yet the guy who should be the most mad at him is saying, tell me more. There's a last word here, and we'll finish up with this this morning. It's faithfulness. And I would say faithfulness is this. Don't look back, don't fall back, don't turn back. Faithful people just stick with it, and John stuck with it all the way to the very, very bitter end here in this story. And rugged people stick with it too, and I don't know what's going on in your world right now where you want to just quit, where you want to throw in the towel and say, oh, well, I'm just going to roll with it. Whatever happens, happens. Don't do that. Be faithful. Stick with it. Hang in there. Just keep going. Refuse to give up. Refuse to quit trying. Refuse to accept what is. Don't give up. So rugged people, how rugged are you? You are definitely going to face wildernesses in your world. Do you have the selflessness you need? How about the righteousness? How about the boldness? How about the winsomeness or the faithfulness? Those are things that you need for the wilderness. But you know, here's one last thing to think about. You need those things for the wilderness, but you also need the wilderness. Because the wilderness is what develops us, and the wilderness is what shapes us, and the wilderness is what forms us. And we look at the wilderness, and it's such an important part of the Baptist story, isn't it? Well, it has to fit with prophecy because he was the one, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So that's why it's part of his story. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's part of the story. And so it's a marker there. It's, it's also where he ministered and where he lived. So it's a part of his story this way. But I think it's part of his story because it was in the wilderness that John learned some of these things. Like character, like courage, like conviction. He likely had to learn how to deal with silence and loneliness. He had to figure out how to make it on his own. It was the wilderness that shaped him. And sometimes we look at the world today and say, it is so crazy, I wish I just didn't have to deal with this. Or sometimes we look at the wilderness that defines our own life and say, if I could just get out of this, I would. Just show me where the exit ramp is, I'm going to take it. And my message this morning is, don't run from the wilderness. Because it's the wilderness that shapes us. It's the wilderness that God uses in our lives. And it's the wilderness where the greatest adventures take place. Sometimes it's like, I just like to have it all safe and calm and predictable and secure and certain. And and, and just how it always is. Status quo is good for me. But how much do you grow there? How much excitement do you experience there? You just kind of like get up and eat your food and go to bed. Not much there. But it's the wilderness. And so what I would say to us this morning is, don't shrink back from the wilderness. (laughs) Be a little bit more like Bear Grylls. (laughs) Oh, 
there's a challenge. Count me in. Be a little bit more like John the Baptist. There's a big one. Yeah, I'm volunteering. Let's be wilderness people. Let's pray. God, thank you for guys like John the Baptist. What an incredible story. What an incredible life. What incredible character. What incredible ruggedness. I pray, God, that you would help us to embrace some of these characteristics and to put them into practice in our lives. And so as we sit here this morning, let me just ask you a question. We mentioned five things. Which of those five things is something that maybe you're like, you know what, I need to really focus on that in my life. Is it selflessness? Less about yourself, more about the cause. Is, is it righteousness? I just need to work on my character because there's some secrets where people knew. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's about this idea of boldness or you've shrunk back where you need to step up. Maybe it's about this idea of winsomeness where, where how we treat people still matters, whether they agree with us or not. Maybe it's just faithfulness just hanging in there. I don't know. Which of those five, though, will be yours this morning? Will you take a minute with God to say, okay, God, you're speaking to me in this area, and I'm responding. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, so that conversation doesn't happen. John the Baptist came to talk about Jesus Christ, and it was Jesus who gave his life and rose from the dead so that we could find forgiveness and be risen from the dead ourselves someday. If you've never made that decision to follow Christ, to invite him into your life, to ask him to forgive your sins and to give you eternal life, I encourage you to do that even where you sit this morning. God, I thank you for your grace that gives us the strength for the wilderness. Help us to be rugged people, I pray in Jesus' name.